Shock advised. Stand clear. Push to shock. everyone welcome to another episode of the borderlands podcast enlightenment from the fringe this is your host denrock uh going solo tonight this will be a monologue discussion with you all um it's really interesting i just learned uh how to do this through my mixing board i'm going to be listening to music in my headset that um none of you can hear on this podcast um i'd love to share it with you because it's great music i'm listening to uh, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon album on my brand new um, Crosley turntable. However, I can't pay for the royalties for y'all to listen to this. Um, now, today I just I decided to jump on the air tonight uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, you know, if you go back, if anyone listened to my um, New Year's resolution podcast, I I want to deliver more consistent, more frequent um, content to you all. And, uh, therefore I feel like I'm, I'm somewhat obligated to come out every week, every two weeks uh, with some content. I actually do have stuff to talk about tonight. Um, but I'll just have to come up with it myself. There's no one to bounce it off of. No, no one else in the studio tonight. Um, very interesting. Um, just this evening while I was at work, my wife texts me and, uh, sends me a series of photos or screen grabs of the uh, predicted uh, ice accumulation. I believe it's for Thursday night going into Friday. Maybe it was Friday night going into Saturday. And some of these numbers uh, for the Huntington Tri-State area are pretty alarming. Um, I think I saw one model predicting a third of an inch to a half an inch of ice, uh, which is significant. I mean, imagine that weight on uh, transmission cables, on uh, trees. Imagine that falling on the the road surface, driving on it. Um, Another model I saw predicted in excess of three-quarters of an inch or maybe eight-tenths of an inch of ice accumulated. Um, You know, if this comes to be, uh, this is going to be like roughly this time last year where we had a tremendous ice storm and uh, in in the Huntington Tri-State area, the forest around here was decimated. I mean, trees hit the ground left and right. Power cables down everywhere. The travel around uh, the immediate Tri-State area, uh, especially on local roads, was just impossible, not doable. Um, I, yeah, I fell victim to this last year uh, in a sense that, um, A, we were without power for right around three weeks. We had to rely on um, generator power. We we don't have a whole home generator, and we're going to talk about this in a bit. Um, but we relied on uh, two, uh, you know, rather robust job site gasoline generators to provide power for the whole house. I mean, we could still do 
um, all of the 110, 110 volt appliances in the house. So that's, that includes all the lights, anything that plugs into, um, you know, your standard three prong, uh, outlet, uh, including microwave and, um, air fryer, stuff like that. And, you know, I could run, um, one, two twenty to two forty volt uh, appliance, namely, I could run my my hot water heater. Oddly enough, couldn't use the um, electric dryer, couldn't use the electric range, couldn't use electric oven. You know, those were were far those were appliances far in excess of what my uh, generator capacity could do. Um, so here we are faced with a, a, an impending ice storm, which I, I pray to God doesn't happen. Uh, but no matter which model you look at, it looks like it's coming. Um, and I'm telling you not 10 minutes after Megan sent me these texts, uh, about, you know, the, like I said, these screenshots and her discussion was like, Oh my God, here it comes again. Uh, we're going to be without power and it's going to happen again while you're out of the house, while you're on call. This is miserable. Ten minutes after she sends me this text, she texts me back and says the power actually just went off at our house. And she said she heard a, a corresponding um, explosion or a gunshot type sound just outside the house. So, you know, I immediately I was still at work. I immediately reported the power outage to Appalachian Power and described to them that there was, you know, a, a loud boom heard outside the house. And um by the time I got home, perhaps 90 minutes later, uh, there's already a crew here fixing it. So I'm really proud of those guys. Turned out we had just a blown uh, transformer up on the pole right before our uh, utility goes underground into the house. Uh, I did fire up the, the old gasoline generators just to um, get us some hot water for the girls to take a bath. And, you know, just have the lights on because I think the girls were getting a little stir-crazy. Um that's about all it took. The, uh, the power was back on within, I don't know, less than an hour after I got home and things have been fine. They, they actually just replaced, uh, the transformer. Um, so, you know, part of the discussion here tonight's going to be about, um, you know, like disaster preparedness. Sorry, I had to get up there for a second and reach for a bottle. Um, so disaster preparedness, um, you know, I'd like to think that we're we're pretty well set up here at the Borderlands. Um, we've got a pretty solid stockpile of non-perishable goods here, uh, pretty good stockpile of bottled, filtered water. Um, I don't know, pretty sufficient supply of fuel in the way of gasoline, diesel fuel, uh, liquid propane, uh, and wood, you know, I feel like we could keep this place going for quite some time. Uh, however, when, if we want to lean on electricity, um, you know, that's, that's going to consume a lot of power, a lot of, a lot of gasoline or a lot of propane, you know, depending on how we're going to generate it. Uh, currently, like I had mentioned before, I've got these two job site generators. One runs exclusively on gasoline. The other one is a, one of the dual fuel things that can run on either gasoline or on propane. But the point is they're, they're very highly inefficient. Um, I want to say that their uh, gasoline consumption is on the order of like uh, 10 gallons of fuel uh, every 24 hours, maybe 
as high as 12 to 15 gallons every 24 hours. And uh, honestly, you know, I haven't run them on propane that long to see what would be the hourly or the daily consumption of propane. I would guess the, the equivalent in, in uh, you know, gallons of liquid propane might be like uh, a one to five, one to six type thing, meaning uh, to convert every five or six gallons of gasoline might be the equivalent of one gallon of liquid propane. I'm not certain of that. But anyways, um, uh, you can see where it, the expense is up there. And uh, if you didn't have the means to go and refill these uh, sources, these fuel sources, like you're going to run out of electricity quick. Um, and that's a big deal in the wintertime. You know, uh, how else are you going to um, heat the house, a, a modern house? See, I don't have a fireplace in this uh, in this domicile. I rely 100% on uh, forced air, uh, heat, and air conditioning. Uh, even when I'm burning firewood in uh, in my hot water uh, outdoor uh, wood burning stove, uh, we're reliant on the central air system um, and electricity to pump that hot water in and out of the house. Uh, so that's you know, uh, even though I you know, given the supplies I have here on hand, I could run the house for maybe a week or so without ever leaving. Um, I'd still have to go out and get fuel. So that's a concern. Food's fine, water's fine. Uh, you know, as far as water from the utility, um, it's interesting. That's something we've had issues with on and off since I've lived in this property. You know, we kind of live somewhat off the beaten path. You know, I'd like to say that we're still connected very well to the grid. However, our water supply has probably been the most iffy utility at this place. Um, over the past five, six years, uh, I feel like we've been without water, pff, I don't know, a hundred times. And that may range from a water outage for a couple of hours, or it may be a water outage for a couple of days. And it's been really annoying uh, not so much from a, um, you know, drinking water standpoint or um, even like a cooking water standpoint, but just being able to flush toilets and uh, conduct personal hygiene, man, it's uh, it's been a, a thorn in the side. Um, and I, I wish that the utility was was more reliable. I wish it was absolutely reliable, to be honest with you, because I think I would rather deal with an electricity outage than a water outage um however i think i digress uh so the preparedness is um you know just having the stuff that you need to sustain yourself um you know for some uh, predetermined length of time and and i think you know each individual person given their proximity to civilization or you know, how uh, well-equipped their community is as far as, like, supply chain and whatnot. Uh, you know, you're going to have to sit down and think about how how many days of supplies do you need. I think, you know, 7 to 10 days should be more than adequate um, in our modern society and given our access to, to Huntington and the surrounding communities and their and there's access to the supply chain. Um, however, you know, we've seen some scares in the last couple of years as it relates to COVID and um, they were the resultant uh, drop in supply chain and uh, in the concomitant 
increase in demand for certain goods and certain services. I mean, I remember go back a couple of years when COVID first hit, uh, you know, you think you could find any paper products on the shelf? Hell no. Find any cleaning supplies on the shelf? Hell no. Um, I don't think it ever got so bad that we went without uh, protein or water or, you know, the, the, the snacks and whatnot that we needed. But, um, yeah, there were times we worried about having toilet paper, paper towels, um, you know, any of the, the dish soap, cleaning supplies, toilet scrub, you name it. Uh, some of those things are in short supply. And um, I've, I've just become aware of another thing and potentially in short supply. Uh, just today, I read a Facebook post from a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Dustin White, uh, a registered nurse that I used to work with at Charleston Surgical Hospital. He says that he's had to park his diesel pickup truck because he's unable to change the oil in it. Now, why would he be unable to change the oil in it? Well, according to him, he can't find the oil necessary to put in his truck. Uh, and I think he also mentioned the inability to find the oil filter uh, for specific to his truck to do the oil change. Now, um, you know, these trucks that we drive, uh, these diesel pickup trucks that um, nowadays the, the modern diesel, the service interval with regards to oil changes uh, on my truck specifically is 15,000 miles. And, and I'm going to hit that uh, one and a half, maybe two times a year. So I don't, I don't change the oil very often and I'm at a time right now where I'm not really looking at an oil change in the immediate future, but probably in the next month I'm going to want to change it. And if I can't find the supplies for it, um, I'm not going to drive the thing into the ground. So if I can't find the stuff to change the oil, I'm going to park the truck rather than ruin it. And, um, yeah, this is, uh, this is a real concern to me. Um, now I don't know if this speaks to, an overall petroleum shortage? I don't think so because the, the oil product we're talking about is a fully synthetic product, which is something that, uh, if I understand properly, it's synthesized completely in a plant or a factory. It's not, it has nothing to do with oil uh, that's uh, sourced from uh, underground. It's not, it's not a fossil fuel sourced lubricant. It's, it's synthesized. So um, I don't think this speaks to an overall shortage of oil or petroleum products in general it just speaks to uh the lack of production capacity for this specific lubricant and you know maybe that's um they uh, you know a shortage of like any precursor uh compounds or just a, a general shortage of production capacity maybe labor or facilities who knows it's a little bit frightening to me that you know you there may be this uh, impending inability to get a vehicle serviced, which I think is vital to sustaining a household. Um, you know, it's, it's what we all rely on to get to and from work, to be productive, to, to maintain our income and revenue stream. And it's what we rely on to go and obtain the necessary products and goods um, from the community. Um, we'll see how this goes and I'm going to follow this closely. And of course I'll be uh, involved. <laughs> I'll be looking to change oil in a month or so. Um, gosh, I, I also wanted to talk about the idea of getting a whole house generator. And um, yeah, I really wish that 
I know I have listeners out there. I, I, I see the statistics on this podcast every time I produce one, and I'm actually pretty happy with the listenership. I have somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 listeners every episode, and I appreciate every one of you. But I wish that uh, people would actually comment on, on what they hear and chime in because I know everyone has an opinion. You know, people may agree with me. Uh, many may disagree with me. I don't care. I always welcome the input. And I would love to hear other people's opinions um, and, and taking suggestions on things. But um, this is a, this is an item uh, I've dealt with uh, specifically in the last year. And I've thought about this for the last several years, ever since I've owned this home, um, whether or not to get this whole home automatic generator. So, you know, I've done the math and looked at the calculations, and I think what I would need to run this house the way I want it to, well, I, I need a smallish uh, whole home generator, maybe a 17 kilowatt. Um, I don't know, probably no more than like a 22 to 24 kilowatt unit. Um, and those, uh, from what I've seen, can be powered either by um, natural gas, methane, um, liquefied petroleum gas, which is propane, um, or diesel fuel. You know, if you've, uh, had a, a tank of diesel fuel that you get attached to it, um, at our particular home site, we don't have access to, uh, natural gas or methane. There's not a pipeline that comes to our house. Uh, we rely on, um, liquefied petroleum gas or propane. And I've, I've got a 500 gallon tank here on site that I, um, that I use to fuel the furnaces in the house when I'm not using my uh, outdoor wood burning stove. Um, and also use it to fuel a, um, a set of gas logs on rare occasions, you know, mostly uh, for ambiance or decorative purposes, not, not for radiant heat whatsoever. Um, you know, at some point in the future, I thought about, tying in to a um a gas hot water heater currently my water heater is electric i had also thought about tying into you know making a permanent uh, uh liquid uh, petroleum line to my uh, beer home brewing apparatus um and then i'd also given serious thought to tying the liquid propane tank into a whole home generator and in fact, I've had plumbing installed um, to cover these possibilities that I might do. Um, now, my hesitation with getting a whole home generator, like, I mean, I have to be honest with you, I love the idea of, of, of a whole home generator that automatically switches on when you have a loss of um, power from the utility. But my hesitation is, um, it is a big expense, and... I don't know if uh, the outages that I've seen to date um, and what I project to see in the future would ever um, amount to what it would cost to purchase and to support uh, a whole house generator um, financially, you know, monetarily. Now, when you talk about the... Um, uh, convenience factor and like the peace of mind factor. I mean, those are kind of intangible things that you can't really put a dollar amount on. Um, those are very valuable. 
and I can't dispute that. But I, the problem is I can't put a dollar amount on that. I can't say like, oh, the peace of mind is worth ten thousand dollars, or you know, this the security uh, given by this unit would be worth fifteen or twenty thousand dollars. I really don't know the value of that. Um, and then there would be the additional cost and the additional work of installing a higher capacity propane tank. I, I really wouldn't feel like I was doing the home a service if I just stuck with a five, 500-gallon propane tank. Because um, honestly, I don't think that would run the generator for very long, um, especially given the fact that I'm going to use it uh, also for heat. And, you know, these uh, these whole house generators have to do periodic self-testing. They're going to start themselves up and run for a length of time um, uh, over a, a preset schedule. I don't, I have no idea what the schedule is. If they fire up weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, I don't know. But they're, they're going to, whether they're providing emergency electricity or not, they're always going to be consuming some propane. So you have to figure that in too. There, there's a cost there. And because of that, I think I need a larger capacity propane tank, which means I'm going to uh, likely have to purchase that tank or maybe enter to, into some different lease agreement um, and fill that tank uh, with roughly double what I'm buying right now. Um, so, you know, given those costs, uh, plus, you know, the installation burden, um, you know, the design, uh, the consultation, all this stuff, um, yeah, I've just, I've been hesitant to buy one. Uh, although, I'll have to admit, I would love to have one. I, I would love not to have to drag electric generators out there in the cold and the freezing rain and, or in the dark, you know, using my cell phone as a flashlight or even an actual flashlight to provide light. Like, it's it's just stupid to have to do this. It's it's uh, labor-intensive. It's frustrating. It's it's exhausting. And... Um, and to be honest, to, to generate electricity using gasoline on a job site generator is literally the most expensive way that there is that I can think of to generate electricity. Um, I mean, I think during our power outage last year, I spent, I know I spent well in excess of $1,000 in gasoline, probably um, near 1200 or $1,300 in gasoline for less than a month of electricity that would normally have cost me in a ballpark of 150 to $170. Um, yeah. So I don't know, that's kind of my discussion, uh, the pros and cons of, uh, whole house generators. Uh, you know, my thoughts on emergency preparedness. Um, gosh, what else can I talk about? I, well, um, I just thought of this, I learned a valuable lesson last year with the, um, ice storm, and uh, the, the 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 trees falling down and whatnot. I uh, I came back from a twenty four hour shift on call at General Hospital in Charleston, and I couldn't even make it back to my home. Um, I had to park on the side of the road. I don't know somewhere around a mile, mile and a half away, and walk through uh, at times some deep snow. Uh, I had to navigate all these fa- falling down trees. You know, I tried to make the uh, the straightest line between where I parked my truck and my house. I didn't want to go any circuitous route. But the thing is, like, I hadn't prepared for this whatsoever. I was wearing tennis shoes with uh, ankle-length socks. 
was wearing blue jeans with just uh, you know boxer brief underwear under underneath, and I was wearing a zip up hoodie with a t shirt beneath it. Didn't even have gloves. Uh, didn't have any kind of knit cap. Didn't have any form of layering. I had you know no leggings or uh, you know uh, wool uh, undergarments or anything like that. No uh, long sleeve upper garments. No gloves, like I said, and I felt like I about froze to death hiking home. Um, so I can see where uh, you know what I what I had previously thought ridiculous. All the re- recommendations of keeping blankets and jackets and you know so many hours or so many days worth of uh, potable water, snacks. Uh, emergency radio equipment, stuff like that. The, the, all, the recommendations are keep all this stuff in your vehicle in case you get stuck in the snow. And I always thought, well, that's, uh, that's overkill. Who wants to carry? That's like a whole bin full of crap. <clears throat> but this one day, this uh, short hike back to my house where I literally thought I was going to become hypothermic and you know become victim, like just pass out in the woods, um, is miserable. And that, so that made me rethink and, Nowadays, uh, during this winter season, Megan has been kind enough to assemble a kit for me, including a winter jacket, um, you know, uh, layers of additional clothing, maybe a couple pairs of gloves, a couple knitted caps, uh, hand warmers, bottled water, uh, snack bars, batteries for a radio, a radio, um, I think traction material like cat litter or something she's put in, in the truck. Um, she's really set me up and I appreciate it. Um, it's just stuff I wouldn't have thought about doing before, even though all the TV outlets tell you to do it. Um, and I feel like, you know, every year we, we see some report of, um, traffic stoppage on a major interstate highway during snowy and, uh, freezing conditions where people are stranded just for hours or maybe even greater than a day. And so I know that those people uh, are either grateful for the kits that they have, or they wish that they had socked something away in their vehicles. Um, So yeah, folks just uh, give emergency preparedness a thought. This is just a topic I came up with off the top of my head this evening. Um, and, you know, this is especially going to come up uh, in the wintertime with all the, the adverse weather conditions we have um, on the road and you know, trees falling down everywhere. It probably comes up in the spring and summertime with, um, you know, the, the heavy rain seasons and the, the possibility of floods. Um, like I said, just give it a thought and come up with some sort of plan that's reasonable that works for you. I do want to talk um, just a little bit before I go about uh, just re reiterate on some of the uh, New Year's resolutions I made for the podcast on the last episode. Uh, as far as you know, reaching out and uh, diversifying and including more guests on the podcast, um, I do have some ideas that like I'm really working on trying to get in soon um you know and these may have to be phone interviews i don't mind um but i'd really like to get uh our friend aaron moore back into the studio and uh have episode 
two, a follow-up on his uh, bariatric surgery. I've been following him on social media. Looks like he's been um, highly, highly successful in losing weight. He looks very well, and uh, from what I can tell, he feels very well. Um, He likes what's going on with his body. I'd like to just follow up with him, say hi. It's been it's been way too long since he and I have actually talked. Um, so that's one uh, one episode that I hope comes up soon. I'm uh, gonna get Mister uh, Iron Man Chris Reese uh, back on the show. I know he's had some uh, life changing events recently. I don't know whether he's competing uh, in distance and strength uh contests any longer because i know he he had a back injury that required surgery so i'd like to talk to him about that and uh what remains of his competitive spirit also want to talk to him about the cincinnati Bengals finally seeing some uh, football success uh wanting to get my brother-in-law mark haffer taping on here i also want to talk to him about the cincinnati Bengals, but i want to get his perspective uh as a uh, as a person uh, who grew up in Cincinnati, who's been a lifelong um, Cincinnati Bengals fan, seen uh, seen all of their terrible seasons, and uh, now finally seeing them rise up and become an NFL powerhouse and um, competing for uh, the world championship in the Super Bowl. I'd like to get his take on all that. Plus, uh, he's going to be a great resource to talk about uh, all of our insurance needs. Uh, he deals in everything from auto, home, um, personal liability, uh, life insurance, uh, disability insurance. I mean, everything I, I believe he deals with. And um, yeah, I've, I've bought all of my insurance products for him for the last couple of years. I've been happy. Um, I want to talk to some out-of-town guests, uh, some people I haven't seen in several, several years. He's um, a really interesting guy um, who was a, a very close friend of mine uh, for years, went to college with him, uh, was in the same fraternity with him. We had many, many of the same interests, We're many of the same uh, political philosophies, uh, economic ideals. I mean, he's just – he's an all-around intellectual. Uh, he's a comedian. He's a writer, a, uh, a screen screenwriter, um, playwright. <laughs> I think a, a, a book author. Uh, I'm pretty certain he's published a um, a children's book. Uh, just, I mean, I can't say enough about the guy. Super, super sharp fella. Um, all around great guy. His name's Rob Rafferty. I've got to get this guy on the phone, talk to him about, I want to talk to him about the creative process. Um, don't really, you know, I hesitate to get into politics with anybody. Um, I know the climate's weird and people don't want to be on record saying things one way or another. I don't give a shit about that. I I want to talk to Rob about the, the creative process and, and see what he's working on currently and you know maybe talk to him about his uh successes and failures uh in uh, in the arts and just see where he's at um also w- would love to get another guy another uh, close friend of mine going back years and years ago uh charles wesley harvey who currently is in the real estate business but um 
I went to college with him. In fact, was roommates with him uh, for a year uh, in the same fraternity. Uh, you know, back then he was into sports medicine, uh, but I think through certain life events, um, he got pushed away from that or pulled away from that, however you might put it. Uh, kind of went down a pathway of uh, personal finance and um, like I said, now uh, deals in real estate. Uh, so I think that would be a great conversation to have with him about personal finance and uh, the real estate market and, you know, what it's like to be a realtor and uh, particularly in West Virginia. Um, man, I'm always looking to have uh, current colleagues or former colleagues uh, on the show, although the, the ones I've talked to about the potential coming on the show so far have been very hesitant. Yeah, I think they're just maybe a little shy or afraid to put themselves out there. Not going to respect that. Um, gosh, I have another fellow I went to high school with uh, who I've just somewhat become reacquainted with. Um, a guy named John Howdeshell, who's uh, been a pilot, uh, an aircraft pilot, since I first met him in high school. I mean, we're talking about when we were 14, 15 years old. This guy was flying airplanes. And um, now I believe he owns his own uh, regional uh, jet service, something like that. Um, I don't, I don't want to misspeak. I think it's based out of Orlando. But uh, anyways, I'd love to have him on, um, talk to him about the, the aircraft industry, the regional jet service industry. Um, I think he may be involved in Marshall University's uh, flight school program somehow, or at least he has some intimate knowledge of that. I'd love to pick his brain about that. Um, that's a guy I, I look forward to, to, to hearing from. Um, I mean, man, the list goes on and on. I got, got all kinds of ideas and, and some of these people are, 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 guests I thought about, um, when this podcast was first born, uh, but they've just kind of fallen by the wayside just because of difficulties reaching out to people. But like, I, I'm going to make a concerted effort nowadays to get these people on and get some other people on. And of course I can always lean on the usual people. My brothers and siblings are awesome. They're always willing to talk. Uh, you know, I'd love to get, I'd love to get my parents on here. Um, I know both of them are kind of crazy dad's got some weird ideas mom's got some weird ideas but yeah i wouldn't mind recording a conversation with them and putting it out there um yeah so i you know look forward to uh a lot more frequent uh publications uh coming out and a lot more diverse uh topics and, and guests coming out and uh when i say like i want your feedback like i'm, I'm sincere about that i really want to hear from folks whether you have comments on the current material that's out there, if you have recommendations about um, future conversations, uh, if you want to call into question anything that I've brought up, um, always open to debate, uh, open-minded. We'll have friendly, you know, non-hostile discussions here. No big deal. Um, but as always, uh, enjoy the listenership. I uh, appreciate every one of you, every single download I get. And um, keep tuning in, man. This is Borderlands Denrock, over and out.